sponsored by Amazon. Hey, good morning. I'm Playbook co-author Rachel Bade. It's Monday, November 6th. Last week, we got a short reprieve from the speakership drama that engulfed Washington for all of October, but this week promises to be something of a nutso few days in the political world. We've got elections on Tuesday, and Playbook will have more to say on that tomorrow. And the latest Republican primary debate is on Wednesday in Miami. You should pick up and read Playbook for exclusives on two campaign messaging strategies going into this debate. On Capitol Hill, we are now less than two weeks out from a government shutdown. Sure, some financial forecasters appear to be less worried about a shutdown now than they were in September during the funding debate back then, but positive spin aside, we remain in almost the exact same political position we were just a few weeks ago. New Speaker Mike Johnson continues to insist on conservative concessions to pass a CR, which buys more time for negotiators to iron out long-term spending bills, and Democrats maintain that they're loath to give him anything, which is teeing up a clash in the days before Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. We hear Johnson is privately starting to lay the groundwork for a CR and is expecting to talk through details with his rank and file on Tuesday morning at the conference meeting. Meanwhile, Democratic infighting on the Hill is going to crescendo this week, and we're not just talking about how to handle Israel's ongoing retaliation against Hamas. Last week, our colleagues reported that the White House was laying the groundwork to give GOP border concessions in return for a vote on Ukraine aid, even on Trump's controversial changes to asylum policies. Now, congressional progressives are balking, and interestingly enough, we heard last night that the White House has privately denied that report to Hill staff. But regardless, we'll be watching Democratic leaders Chuck Schumer and Hakeem Jeffries to see how they respond to the matter. They'll have to ask the question, is additional Ukraine aid worth a crackdown at the border? But the main event today takes place in New York. Former President Donald Trump takes the witness stand in Attorney General Letitia James' civil fraud case against him, his sons, and his business associates. Trump is accused of falsifying documents about the company's net worth to banks and insurers to land favorable real estate loan terms. And joining me now to discuss what to watch when Trump testifies is our own legal reporter, Erica Orden. Good morning, Erica. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So Trump takes a stand today. This seems like a BFD. Am I wrong? (laughs) Uh, You're not wrong. (laughs) There have been a couple of big witnesses so far, including his um, sons, Don Jr. and Eric, but this is definitely the centerpiece of the trial. (laughs) And he's been in about 20 million legal lawsuits over the years. Uh, I'm exaggerating, obviously. But has he ever taken a stand like this in recent years, at least? Not in recent years. He's sat for depositions. In particular, there was um, one that got a bit of attention that became public in the the first uh, civil trial against Eugene Carroll. And so he's, he's sat for depositions. This is going to be the first time he has taken the witness stand, certainly at length since he became president. You may or may not have seen he was on the witness stand for about three or four minutes uh, a week or two ago, but that had to do with out-of-court statements that were in violation of the gag order in this trial. Today's testimony will be much, much more extended. He's expected to testify for most of the day today. And what is at stake for the former president? Well, the judge overseeing the case has already ruled, he ruled prior to the trial that the financial documents that are sort of the the crux of this case, he ruled that they are in fact fraudulent. So that piece is sort of taken care of already. What the trial primarily concerns now is the financial penalties that Trump and the other defendants will incur. So 
It's a bench trial. That decision is entirely up to the judge. There's no jury. And so that is really the level of those financial penalties is really at what primarily what's at stake now. And is it right that it can sort of cap out at $250 million? Or could we actually see a penalty that goes even further than that? I believe we can see a penalty that goes further than that. I'm not sure that's likely, but that is what the attorney general's office has determined would be the appropriate penalty. So it's it's been said a million times that Trump has a problem with the truth. That's kind of a fact. Uh, why is he even doing this? And is there a fear that he could perjure himself or hurt himself in some of these other cases he's also dealing with and other lawsuits? Well, he has been called as a witness by the attorney general. I mean, he's not necessarily doing this entirely voluntarily. He could plead the fifth if he wants to avoid self-incrimination in this in his testimony. But yes, there is a risk that he could perjure himself for sure. There's also a risk that he could uh, say something that could be used against him in another one of these cases. He has four criminal trials coming up. And one of them that was brought by the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg does have some overlap with this civil fraud trial. It's not It's certainly not exactly the same, but they do both concern activity at the Trump organization and they also have as one of their main witnesses, uh, Michael Cohen. So Michael Cohen already testified in this civil trial and he will testify presumably in the in the Bragg case. But in any case, there is some overlap between those two. When Michael Cohen testified in this case, he mentioned that there were lawyers from the attorney general's office, which Trump is up against in this civil fraud trial lawyers from the attorney general's office who sat in on Cohen's meetings with Manhattan District Attorney's Office for the very reason that these cases do have some overlap. So to answer your question, there's definitely a risk that Trump could say something that could come back to hurt him in that case. What do we know about Letitia James and her team and sort of their strategy for how they'll question Trump today? Well, they haven't really spoken about it. I think that it's very likely that they've watched many of the hours of videotaped depositions that he has sat for in the past. They're certainly probably comfortable being in the same courtroom as him at this point because he has attended many days of this trial and he was deposed in this case already. So they have questioned him already in this case. So um, it's a little bit different being on the witness stand, but again, this isn't a jury trial. So there isn't the same sort of dynamic in the courtroom as there might be with a jury. So it's really just down to the person doing the direct examination of Trump, Trump himself and the judge. Do we know if Trump will use the witness stand as a campaign stump? Will he try to blame one or both of his adult sons? What do we expect out of his strategy here? I think it's pretty likely that he will try to use (laughs) um, the witness stand as a way to express some of his views on things that are unrelated to the questions at hand and perhaps, you know, speak a little bit about political topics or other things that he might talk about on the campaign trail. He's definitely done that in and out on his way to and from the courtroom every day that he's attended the trial. The witness stand, of course, is very different. He is not supposed to say anything that's not directly responsive to the questions that he is being asked. And most likely the judge will instruct him probably many times (laughs) to avoid doing that. This judge has given some other witnesses a little bit of leeway when they say certain things that aren't responsive to what they're being asked. He'll probably do that with Trump too. But, you know, if Trump goes too far astray, he will likely tell him to to stop doing that and and likely order it stricken from the record. But, you know, the courtroom is going to be full of reporters who don't care whether something is stricken from the record and can still report whatever he says. So that only matters to sort of a limited extent. 
Yeah, and to an extent, Trump can't help himself when it comes to uh, campaigning on this. Thank you, Erica, for spending the time with us this morning and have fun today in court. Thank you so much. And for the rest of your schedule today, the House and Senate are both back in session. The Senate will take a cloture vote on Biden's nominee to be the head of the National Institutes of Health. Schumer also filed cloture on a trio of judicial nominees, and we hear that in the coming days, the Senate expects to reach a milestone of 150 judges confirmed under the Biden-Harris administration. I'm Rachel Bade. Thanks for listening. For over 23 years, Amazon has partnered with small and medium-sized businesses, connecting local entrepreneurs with customers globally and breaking down barriers to growth. In 2022 alone, small and medium-sized businesses made up more than 60% of sales in Amazon's store. Learn more at aboutamazon.com.